Good morning, Hillside. This is going to be a little, uh, we have a variety of little things we want to do this morning. I just really felt like we needed to give you a little recap of uh, our experiences at uh, the men's retreat. And I, I have a, I want to start off with just um, Matthew 17, 1 and 2. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. And uh, transfiguration means a marked change in form or appearance. And I, I really think it's really incredible that this, uh, we're going to you know, just share a little bit about the men's retreat because of starting this new series in John today. And our, our main uh, verse today is about how the word became flesh, how Jesus came and became a reality. And I, I just think it's really, uh, really goes along with what happened on the mountain where people were transformed. People had an experience with God and they were changed. In um, Matthew 17, 5, Jesus said, While he was speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And again, uh, taking time out of our schedules and, you know, really getting away to a place where we're not distracted by the normal uh, responsibilities and things that really take away our time. It's really something how we're able to connect with God. And I asked a a few people if they would share. um, Is Jerry Mervis here? I asked Jerry to start us out. These guys are just going to take a minute or so and just share. what 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 happened there? What God did for them? Good morning. <clears throat> I I've been a part of this church um, almost since its beginning, uh, but uh, I when I came here, I was coming out of a place of, of gr- a great hurt and disappointment and discouragement, and uh, it's taken me a very long time to uh, begin to move back into a place of of trusting not only God but people in the church and and to be to feel like I wanted to be a part of uh, the the moving of God by the power of his Holy Spirit in a body of believers Uh, I wanted to come to church and just sort of hide and just sort of be left alone and and have God leave me alone and you know uh, but uh, God has been changing that uh, for several years now, doing a, a healing work in my heart. And um, um, I really want to acknowledge that the pastors here are very loving and compassionate people who are very patient uh, with us as we go through those kinds of processes. Uh, and, and I just want to say that... Um, Going to uh, this is the I went to the other men's retreat too, uh, but um, I, I think I wasn't probably quite in the same place of readiness that I was for this one, and um, God really really touched my heart, and uh, I really felt uh, bonded with uh, all the men there, and and ever since I've been feeling a, a real pulling of God, the Holy Spirit. It's amazing those three. Um, prophecies, their visions this morning, because uh, all of them 
looked at me, all of it was God speaking to me. Um, I know that he wants to do all those things. And in the process of doing all those things in my life, he's fitting the last pieces in the puzzle. He's working on my marriage. He's, uh, and I've got so many balls juggling in the air that uh, it's unbelievable. And I know that he's going to change that too. Uh, and uh, I'm comfortable and I'm at peace with that whole process. And, you know, um, I really don't feel a, a desire to live for this world. Uh, I feel like, uh, uh, although the, end, the world didn't end yesterday, it, it's, it's going to. I really do believe it's going to. I think no man knows the day or the hour. Uh, but uh, I don't in my own life. I'm, I'm in my 60s now, and I feel like I'm, you see that movie about the train that uh, it couldn't stop, you know? It's, I feel like I'm on that train. It's a, it's, it's. A, I, I can't stop it. It's yeah. going to just go where it's going to go, yeah. and um, but that's okay too. Uh, and because all I want to do is just, just run on the train with God, you know, just, just go with Him, you know. This world is fleeting by, you know, and uh, uh, I, I'm not interested in jumping out of one of the, 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 the railroad cars and trying to land in this world again because that you'll break your neck that way. Okay, well, anyway, God bless you. Thank you, Pastor, for letting me share. Josh? And whatever young man Josh Roscoe is going to share. Hey, guys. So my name is Josh. And um, the retreat was amazing. But at first, I was really scared because I have a hard time trusting people. And there's this one person in church who just kept telling me, you know what, you're going to go. You're going to go because you're, God's going to help you through it. And she just kept talking to me about it. And she's all, you're going to go. You're going to go. Finally, I think it was like a few weeks before, um, I was like, God, if you, something's amazing going to happen, the next person that tells me, I'm going to jump right on it. And um, somebody texted me, and they told me, you know what, how are you going to go? Cause, and don't say you can't go because of work, because you can ask it off. Don't say because of school, because you can work ahead of time. And don't say because of money, because we will provide for you. So I was like, okay, I guess it's time to go. So I went, and it was amazing. God just was there, and when I left, you know, um, the enemy just, I realized that the enemy had such a grip over me saying, you know what, you're going to open yourself up, and they're not going to, they're going to reject you. They're going to push you away, and just like all the other people that have done in your life, they're just going to push you away once they know your personal life, and I just realized, you know, it's, it was a complete lie. They were there, and they gave me advice, and they prayed over me, and it was just a complete blessing. So I just want to encourage you guys, you know, if you guys aren't connected, don't let fear hold you back because you have so many great things that can just open up once you allow yourself and to overcome that fear and just open up to those around you. Thanks, guys. Peter Hernandez. I just, uh, I just wanted to share a little bit with you guys kind of where I was at mentally before I even showed up. Uh, I told my wife a couple weeks back that I wasn't sure if I even wanted to go. Not so much because I didn't want to connect because I know deep down inside I needed it. It was just there was so many things going on, you know, and there's like God always prompts you, you know, when, when you're getting ready to just, you need that time to just disconnect. But that's exactly what God wanted me to do is disconnect, and that was the environment to do it. At home, you could easily make excuses. I know for me, I really try to make a, a solid time to commit to the Lord. 
But, uh, you know, always things come up. My car needs fixing. Things need to get done. You know, I'm, I'm a father, so I got boys at home that need, you know, they need a little bit of discipline here and there. Or, um, you know, and then even just trying to help my wife out because she's, she's just the soldier in our home, you know. So, um, so anyways, but once I got there, my whole focus kind of changed, you know. I started connecting with the guys. The first thing that I did was we started playing basketball. And uh, being that I love athletics, things kind of, you know, it's, uh, and then also realizing that my age is kind of catching up to me a little bit. Um, I got, the next day my knee was just tight, you know, tight. But it, to me it was just, you know, I'm just going to take it as it goes. I'm just going to disconnect. So I, I uh, in the time that we had, we had a three-hour break in the middle of the day on Saturday. I chose to just to just pull out, all, you know, my books. It's funny how you, you always want to start to read something, but somehow you can just never finish it. So I set off to just try to do that and try to read a little bit, and I did. And um, it was an awesome time. Like, God kept prompting me to slow down, you know, and just to kind of read and take in whatever was, you know. And sure enough, I was there by myself, fell asleep a little bit. That was a blessing. But then the guy started surrounding me, and we just we got into this discussion, which was really profound. Some of the things that have been on my heart, you know, kind of came up in our conversations. But uh, ultimately, there was just this, this uh, connection that happened between the guys that you don't experience anywhere else, you know. And I was kind of sharing that with my boys that, you know, as much as we have buddies, we have, you know, we have people in the world and out of the world. We have, you know, people that are secularly minded and some that are spiritually minded. You don't always have the ability to connect with those that are, that are you know, spiritually minded. And, um, I mean, the reality is, is we either focus on the present, which is usually secularly minded, or we focus on the eternal perspective, which is past, present, and future. And that's the Lord. He's all in one. He, reflects on, he helps you to reflect on the past and your choices, and he helps you to reflect where you're at today. You know, I've always said that the greatest mirror in life is the Bible and uh, the future. That is, where is your eternity destined, you know? And that's my goal for my boys, for my wife, you know, for anybody that I love, really, you know, that I, that I know that I'm going to see them in heaven. Because I believe, you know, just like the world, again, the world didn't end yesterday. But I had a little scripture for you. And kind of this thing that just God really revealed to me that I thought it was really profound. And uh, try to open up my big book. It's in, uh, it's in John 4, verse 32. And he says, but unto, the, unto, the, unto them I have meat to eat. I'm sorry. But he said, but he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Then said the disciples, between, the, between themselves, hath any man brought him meat to eat? Jesus said to them, my meat is that I may do the will of him that sent me and finish his work. And I thought that was really profound because God just revealed to me kind of the law of economics, you know, the fact that we're either producers or consumers. And uh, all of us are consumers in one way, shape, or another. But obviously God wants us to consume of something other than just physical food. And that's spiritual food. But it's his will that we become producers and consumers all the time. The fact that we live and exist, we consume. But the fact that we are to produce fruit unto good works that we understand that we focus on what God's will is, that we can't always be producers. Even, you know, anybody who, anybody who wants to be rich, all he has to do is look for the greatest way to bless somebody else. And I guarantee you the fruit of that benefit will come, whether economically, physically, spiritually. But just the fact that we focus on what God's will is first, that in itself has its own byproduct of produce, of, of goodwill. Okay. 
I mean, we had a we had a great time. I think for me, getting from uh, Monday to Friday it seemed like like three or four weeks to get there. But once we finally, I picked up my my partner and we drove together, and then we started getting closer, and we can just feel like all right, stuff started to to fall off, and like all right, we're 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 going, we're going to that mountain, we're going to spend some time there, and we had an incredible time of yes, God was there, yes, we we fellowship, we had fun, but also. Um, there were some challenges that took place there, and I really felt like uh, Jack challenged us to do some things, um, and that was incredible. We had some time by ourselves, men spending half an hour by ourselves, not talking, um, reading, meditating. I don't do that very often, and so that was incredible. And then Pastor Bruce gave us a spiritual challenge that um, it was profound, it was really to go and and feel like, like um, there's some things that I, I, that I left on that mountain. I know I left it there, and I felt um, I, I left it there. I know a lot of my brothers left it there, uh, and I, it was so nice. It was so great to have that that time by ourselves with men, and then the fellowship I think was really incredible. That one one to four, four those three hours, um, and, and really spending some time talking and 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 playing, and it was just. It was just incredible. I think coming on that, coming out of Friday and into Saturday, we had some great teachings. Then we had time to bond and have fun, and that really, uh, the fellowship was incredible. And I really felt like we were also able to, just really, um, um, I, 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 I saw people coming in on Friday, and then on Sunday when I left, that same person looked completely different. If I would have taken a picture of some of these guys, where they were at and where they left. It was like night and day. So it was incredible. Um, I can't wait for the next one. For you guys who didn't go, um, sign up for the next one, and, and I'm sure uh, God will meet you there too. Amen. You know, I think what was totally different on this men's retreat than we had before is usually, you know, like Jack was there. And Jack's really personal, but, you know, it was always like these big spiritual giants and stuff. This year was completely different. Just the regular people in the congregation, the regular members, uh, Pastor Bruce had them actually speak. And I think that was kind of like the catalyst that really opened things up. Because sometimes when you're sitting there and you see somebody that's been a Christian like forever, and um, they begin to tell you these big spiritual truths and everything else, you, 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 you glean from it. But at the same time, you feel like, yeah, well, if they only knew where I was. But you know what? This year, I mean, we had, you know, Ken and, and uh, Caleb, and we had uh, Jerry. We had all these people that don't normally speak get up and actually share their hearts. And I think that was a catalyst that really was able, so that we were able just to really pull the walls down. Did you, did you guys notice that, you know? Because it's like, yeah, regular people, they have the regular problems just like we do and I do. And so I think that was a catalyst, and I really appreciated our leadership in doing that this time around. So um, I encourage you next year, get with the program. Do it. Amen. Is, is there any men out there who would raise their hand and said the letters that you got were incredible and they opened your heart up? Um, none of our men said so, but I really think that was the incredible part of it is that letters were written to us. Um, Family members, some people got letters from people they worked with, teachers they worked with. I mean, it went way back. Some people were so surprised. 
And uh, I noticed how the words, how they really open you up. And, you know, so often we, we get thoughts from God or there's different scriptures in the Bible that come to us and they register in our heart. But you know how, I, well, I know how you must be like I am. You can hear a word, but so often you go off from that word and you're bombarded by the negative thoughts, by the accusations, by the way you look at yourself and you limit yourself because of things you, you think about yourself that are, aren't accurate or are negative. And it is the words that people write about you that encourage you. How many guys took those words and you felt different about the way you think about yourself because of the words people wrote to you? It's powerful. I, I was looking through the, the scriptures just this week and um, in Acts 15, 22, the apostles and elders gathered together and they sent a group of men with letters uh, into another um, city and they brought the letters with them and they gave them. And there's just something about having a writ, something written in front of you. And when those accusations come or when those thoughts about yourself that really stop you from uh, walking in the spirit and believing in who God is with you, that those thoughts that get you to think more negative about yourself, when you have truths, it just like counters what you've, what you've experienced. I got a letter from someone and um, it was incredible because they gave me scriptures. They gave me a look at myself that was different than how I see myself. And it caused me to have a perspective about more of my life than just a few things I might think about myself. And I think that's the way God's word is too. You get God's perspective. We have God's written word in front of us that we use to counteract and change the way we think about ourselves. It says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are becoming new. And when, if, we live, if we live each day as a day unto itself and to the Lord, we can start each new day with God and really letting go of the past and how we think about ourselves or those past failures that trigger our emotions and triggers to go back and do the same negative thing that we did the day before. We really are new. But I really value the transformation that happens when we spend time with God. And, you know, I've talked to maybe a few people already, but if you didn't go, you are not to be in condemnation because you didn't go. I tell you, there's different reasons we go and sometimes different seasons that we are in our life. I can, re I can count on my hand the different retreats I didn't go to because really God was working different things in my life. But when you go to retreat, God, God will meet you. But you are not to feel bad about yourself or let the enemy uh, separate you from this body. God is at work in your life. And as we keep coming together and sharing the word, worshiping together, we are continually to build that spiritual house. Um, if you're new here today, you saw just people get up and share different things. You might think, what is going on here? What kind of a church is this? We believe in uh, 1 Corinthians 14 where it talks about when the body of Christ gathers, people have a, a word, people have a prophetic thought. And as we are seeking God together individually during the week and uh, walking in a relationship with God, when we come together, the body ministers to itself and there's a there's a building up and an encouragement that comes that's more than i can do and so it's very biblical what we're doing here um i just uh one thing i want to talk about too for a minute you know when we went up there it was strange because 
kind of the, the retreats that the girls did last year and retreat story has been doing back east, um, they encouraged to start off the time with, with taking the quiet time. Well, you know how Jack can speak, and we gave Jack an extra 15 minutes, and he took 30. <laughs> and so we had the half hour, and, you know, I don't know how all the guys are. I didn't talk to a whole lot of them about this, but, you know, when I went back and spent my 30 minutes, I, I'd have to say immediately, I don't feel like I could... Um, grasp anything I felt like God impressed me with. But I really believe it was like sowing a seed, that I took that uh, time to, you know, it says, those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength, or be still and know that I am God. You know, that, that whole idea in our society of waiting is so weird. Anytime there's a, a gap, we either get nervous or we get on the phone or we turn on the TV or we turn on the stereo. I mean, we're not used to having quiet and our, our society is increasingly being bombarded with being more busy. But it is a real strange thing when you just say, you know what, God, here I am. And just even trying to quiet your thoughts and quiet your emotions down and just wait. And I was done those 30 minutes. I was, I was going back to, because we had a little time of worship on Friday night. I'm thinking in my natural mind, well, I didn't hear anything. But oh my, as the days begin to unfold, I mean, every morning there was like a word. And on the last morning, um, I felt like as soon as I woke up, the Lord gave me Matthew 4, 4. And that's that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And it just, boom, it was like God speaking. And immediately I was ready and it wasn't time to do breakfast or anything. So I, I happened to have a packet of letters that I, that I hadn't written yet. And so I opened it, began to read. And I just began to cry because things people were saying to me just went right to my heart. And I thought, wow, there's, there's the word becoming real. There's the word becoming flesh. That we're to live by every word of God. And it is the encouragement that the body of Christ has for each other that is Jesus personally. When you, when you see that written note and you see somebody's name at the bottom, it's a personal uh, endorsement. It's a personal encouragement to you you know, about your journey with the Lord. And in fact, it encourages you to keep and stay on that journey. We're not in this alone. And, you know, you may be up one day and I'm going to be down the next and you can encourage me and I can encourage you. And it's that whole thing where the body is continually giving to each other and, you know, refreshing and restoring each other. I, I also, I felt like I had more benefits after the retreat. You know, we, we spent the time up there, but then after I felt like, uh, Sunday afternoon, I mean, God just kept putting different people on my heart, you know, people I hadn't seen for a long time and just prompted me and I would pray for them. And then I felt like, come on, Bruce, you keep getting this. What good is it that you're just even praying for them? Why don't you text them? So I remember texting this person. I don't know what's going on with you today, but I really wanted to, you've been on my heart all day at different times. And I just want to text you and say, God really loves you. And I'm not sure if you're needing to hear this today, but I just want to remind you that God really cares about you. God really loves you. He has a plan for you. I tell you, that person texts me back, this is exactly what I needed to hear, you know? And I just felt God's love. Then I did a really terrible thing. Yeah, you know, you can be a Christian, you can have your heart open, and then you do some really terrible things. I'm shooting into the gas station to get gas, and there's this car pulling out, and this car is like, I thought they were going to pull through, you know, because this other person was leaving. And so I kind of hit the horn because they weren't moving, and I pulled right in front of them. I gassed my car up, and as I was getting in, I realized there's a cone out there, and their gas pump was shut off, and they were waiting for mine, for this one that I cut in front of them and took. 
oh, I felt like a little rat. <laughs> I, I was starting to drive off, and I'm thinking, oh, what a Christian you are. What are they going to think? And so I, I swung around the whole pump, and I did something I probably wouldn't have done. But my heart was so open, I stopped, I got out. And there was this cute little Hispanic couple, and I said, would you please forgive me? I didn't realize until I just filled up that your pump was, was blocked, and I cut in front of you. And I am so sorry. Oh, they were just, oh, don't worry about it. They were so sweet and happy, and I'm thinking, Oh my, they must have been sitting in the car. What kind of a jerk is this? He cuts right in front of me. Then I think, wow, if, if they ever came to my church, what would they think? You know? But over and over, I apologize. And over and over, they kept saying, oh, it's okay. It's okay. And I thought, another word I felt like the Lord gave me was, go into all the world and preach the word. He told them to preach the word in Timothy. And I think, when we are open and our heart is flowing, that's the kind of word we preach. Just having our, word, our heart open and even apologizing for our mistakes. I was thinking as I left that station, how maybe was this couple changed? Because they, they had someone validate that, that they were cut off, but also it didn't shut them down because someone interacted with them. And I'm thinking, what about all of us? If we live with that open heart, if we live so full of God, letting the love of God out, how will that trickle out every day with the people around us when we could act so differently or fail to just take those opportunities. I know this was a little bit of uh, different things going on today, but I really felt like it fits with uh, what we want to start in John. Let's pray. And I know we've read this a lot, but ask God, God, I want to speak, I want you to really speak to my heart and I want to really recognize how alive your word is in me. And Lord, make your word flesh to me today. God, we just commit your word to you. We thank you for the book of John. God, we thank you for that disciple, apostle of love, Lord, that wrote this book. We pray your love would penetrate our hearts as we start this series. Lord, we thank you, God. Help us to see you as the I am. Lord, help us to be able to have our thoughts renewed and continue to work on our heart. Lord, penetrate those places of pain yet not resolved or healed. God, help us in those places of relationships, Lord, where we, we can't trust and we're learning to trust. Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. Jesus, the I am. I want you to think about that, even that statement. In Exodus 3.14, we first see God reveal himself as the I am. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. Kind of a blanket statement, meaning God saying to us, I am everything. I'm everything you'll ever need. I am the supplier of everything that you would ever want. I am the hope that fills your heart. I am eternal. I am everlasting. I am your father. I am your savior. I am the one who promises to supply your need. I care about you. I think about you. I have a plan. Recently, I've told you that, you know, all this part of following God, that he looks out over us, and it's like we live in a maze. And if we acknowledge him in all our ways, and we let him lead us, he knows the ways out of the maze to the goal line, to the place where the greatest prize is, to the greatest reward, to the greatest fulfillment, to the best relationships. But we have to trust him with those things. We have to surrender our will and our plan to have God's plan. And it seems like when we start out on that road to follow God's plan, uh, we don't necessarily like the roads he's taken us. But the, the more you live your life in following God's roadmap, the more satisfied and the more you can get back and realize, yeah, you have the best plotted out road for me.
Jesus, the word, is now reality. When you think of all the words that are powerful, Jesus' words of love and forgiveness, Jesus' love that penetrate, his words that encourage our heart, his words that open us up. You ever think of the times maybe you've been so closed off and God just has a way of wiggling in there and just touching your heart, maybe having you repeat a song and all of a sudden you find yourself uh, wanting to show emotions. I know maybe you aren't all comfortable with emotions, but you know, I love how God made us. Jesus cried. Jesus felt emotion. He, he felt compassion for people. He felt love for the lost. He felt care for those who were in need, those who were broken, those who needed physical healing. He cared and he showed emotion. Our key verse today, John 1, 14, and I'm living, reading it out of the New Living Translation. It's also on the PowerPoint. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Do you need that kind of love today? Do you need that kind of a faithful friend? Do you feel like maybe uh, in your walk with the Lord, your heart's gotten a little bit hard, a little bit cold? Today, he wants to break through. He wants to reveal himself as that one who has unfailing love, who's faithful. You know, God is spirit and God is everywhere. But it is Jesus that brought God to us. And when Jesus left, he's the one that leaves us with the spirit of God, the presence of God, to live right inside of our heart. God with us has even a greater meaning than it did for those who were in Jesus' day because of Jesus' limitations as a, as a human being, not being able to be with everybody. But, oh, the presence of God that is available to all of us right now. Are your thoughts uh, caught up with something that is a concern, a problem? The Holy Spirit is right there. He has answers. He just wants you to hold on and trust him as he's working. John the man, he was an apostle, one of the 12 disciples. Again, he's called the apostle of love. There had to been something so incredible working in John. This love of God so penetrated his heart that he was called the apostle of love. A lot of his writings are about love and uh, relationships and loving your brother and, you know, loving the Lord. And how can you say you love your brother if you hate, uh, love, your, uh, love God if you hate your brother? You know, all the kinds of words that are in First John and Second John and Third John. He was a man of character. He was also called one of the sons of thunder. I guess those, those fishermen guys, they were uh, pretty outspoken, um, pretty bold. You might say they were probably good salesmen back then. They, were, they weren't uh, someone who was just uh, kind of quiet, but I'm sure when they got in a circle, they made known you know, uh, what, what their opinion was. He was the only disciple who, who died a natural death, even though they tried to boil him in oil. He just couldn't die. Um, John um, wrote, he wrote John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. But he wrote um, differently than Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Other, um, I mean, Matthew, Mark, Luke, thank you, Lori. Other, the other uh, disciples kind of wrote the history. John wrote about spiritual mysteries. He, bought about, he, he wrote about the Holy Spirit. And I've often thought that... Um, if you somehow didn't have any of the Bible, if you had the book of John, you would know how to get saved. You'd know how Jesus loves you. You'd know how he is the vine and we are the branches. You would know how 
you needed the Holy Spirit and you would know how to walk with Jesus. He wrote um, the words that would touch our hearts, that would heal our soul, that would penetrate our thought life and bring transformation to us. John was different, different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. No parables are in the book of John. There's only two miracles that are recorded in John that are also recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Five other miracles recorded in John are not recorded in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. There is also an absence of the ethical teaching on the kingdom of God found in the other Gospels. And get this, this is probably a real key thought that's in the book of John. 98 times you'll find this. Key word is to believe. And when you look in the Amplified, in the Greek, it means to trust, adhere to, rely on, talking about Jesus and our relationship with him. Every time it's going to say believe in John, it's going to mean to trust, adhere to, and rely on. And it says that this kind of belief ensures eternal life, that you can continue to rest on your whole life's journey in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Jesus was referred to as the Son of God repeatedly in the book of John. And in John, you see the humanness of Jesus. Jesus is weary. He's impatient when the disciples are uh, not getting the faith thing down. He's sorrowful. It's mentioned that Jesus wept. He's appreciating people, and he's loving people. This human side of Jesus, all God and all man, perfect Savior, perfect Lord for us to identify with. In John 1, God makes himself known. He introduces to us the importance of the word. And from the beginning, the word was God and is God. Let's read John 1, 1 through 5. I'm going to be reading out of the New King James and once in a while out of the Amplified. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Boy, if you just spent this week meditating on that, that is a load. When you think of the completeness of what we need from the word of God, our, uh, the wisdom that we need to live our life, the thoughts that we need to replace negative thoughts. We need what God would say in every situation and circumstance in our life. And when you think of uh, how words are messed up, and I don't know, even I notice, even the vocabulary nowadays, it seems like in our society, uh, more and more swear words and curse words are being uttered, even among believers. Hopefully, even as we go through this, if you really would check, if the Holy Spirit would check your language and you do a little inventory on the words that you use, maybe you'll uh, ask the Holy Spirit to help you replace those words. Because words really build and they really encourage. You know, Jack really was in the spirit, you know, when he started last week talking about how we speak to each other and the words that we use. And then we wonder sometimes, you know, why it's so negative. Our words create an atmosphere, a spiritual atmosphere for, for us. Either Satan can come and live in that atmosphere or we set up a presence of God and an atmosphere of worship that words hold God's presence around us. And words, because they build up and because the word in the beginning, it says that God spoke everything into existence. And so we understand that the word of God was very creative. 
And even the things that were made by the word of God cannot necessarily be figured out by what we see. Verse 2, And he was in the beginning with God, the word. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Do you need a miracle today? Jesus was the living word. He was right there from the beginning. And now he comes to earth to do his miracle working power. We understand through the gospels of all the things that he did do. But we understand also that the Holy Spirit is now working, continuing that work, continually being the word of God to us, being that creative word, engineering and building what we need. Now the days, these are the days I feel like to cast off our unbelief, to not go by our circumstances, our feelings, but to dare to believe and ask for the impossible, to be like that widow who was the only one that pressed through that crowd and touched Jesus and got a miracle. And I'm not saying just get hung up on one miracle, but the idea that you are connected with God and keep focusing on him, keep worshiping him, but ask and seek and knock for those things that you know that you need in your life. Don't just ask one time. You keep asking until God shouts to you, I'm not going to do that. That's going to be something I'm using to build your faith. You keep asking. You keep knocking. You keep seeking. You keep asking God to fill your heart with his love, to fill your heart with his presence, to fill your heart with a prophetic sense of what he will do and what he won't do so that you can continue to walk in a relationship with God that's meaningful and practical, that's real. Verse 3, all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. Everything that has life, every plant, everything that we see around us, it is living because of the power of God. And even the unbelievers, even, even people who doubt God on the earth, even the people who think that Mother Nature is what the earth is all about, it is God that gives life to everything. Do you need life? Do you need an area in your body that needs a touch? Do you need life? It is Jesus. It is the resurrected Jesus, that power of the resurrected Jesus that lives inside you, that is available to you to transform your life, to bring encouragement to you, to lift up your spirit, to drive off oppression and depression that would try to steal your joy and steal your hope for the future. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Remember last week, Jack said, darkness has never ever taken light. You never go into the room, and uh, you, know, you turn the light on, and darkness stays. You know, Light is always displacing darkness. You have the light of life living in you if you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your life. If you've made him Lord of your life. Your spirit has come alive, and you are throbbing with life. That life, and, and have you even noticed people too? Some people you notice too, they go in to have their time with God and when they come out, their eyes are shining. You ever recognize people like that? That's that light he's talking about. The spirit we were made to create and created to fellowship with God and that light just fills us up. The presence of God just fills our relationship with him. Matthew Henry wrote, the word is twofold. It's conceived and spoken. The word conceived having to do with our thought and it touches our soul. It penetrates from here and it penetrates our emotions and our, our feelings. Jesus is the word spoken, the word alive, visible, tangible, and life-changing. He takes the thoughts, brings them here, but then he mixes them with our spirit and the word becomes alive in our life and then it becomes expressive in how we live out the word and how God's speaking to us. In John uh, 6 through 10, 
Let's read those first six verses together. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. So we have an eyewitness. You know, John's being the eyewitness, and he's writing it in this book. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. You know, in that verse 7 is the first place it's talking about believing. And I want you to remember this phrase about believing. It means to adhere to, trust it, and rely upon it. Again, 98 times it's in this one book. And every time you think about believe, I want you to amplify that in your mind, what it means. It means to trust. It means to rely. It means to um, rely upon it. And as we begin to understand that, it's going to create a greater expectation when we say believe in God. It means we're putting our whole dependence on what the Word of God says. And specifically when the Holy Spirit makes the Word alive to us, when it becomes the living Word, when God speaks a scripture to you, that means there's a promise there. That means it's something you can lean on for what you're going through. Verse 9, I want to read out the Amplified. There it was, the true light was then coming into the world, the genuine, perfect, steadfast light that illuminates every person. The word became reality, John 1, 11 through 6. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. Wow, look how blessed we are. There are people that he came to. That was the, probably the greatest time in history up to that point to live. And Jesus was alive and in the flesh and they didn't get it. They missed it. I'm so glad we live today. We live in the day of grace. We're 2,000 years past all these happenings and every day we have the ability and the time to keep receiving, to go back and say, God, forgive me for the areas I haven't uh, responded to you, for the places I've been passive in my belief system and I have missed the opportunities. We get to go back and start over. We get to ask for forgiveness. I loved it on the mountain. We asked forgiveness. We prayed for each other and we asked God to put things to rest that we could come down off the mountain and be different and live differently. Verse 12. This has always been one of my favorite scriptures. But, but to as many as did receive and welcome him, he gave the authority, power, privilege, and right to become the children of God. That is to those who believe in, adhere to, trust in, and rely on his name. The opportunity to start over. You know, some of you, again, you have, you've had such a hard life. You are bombarded by mistakes of the past. And that is just the ripoff of the enemy trying to rip you off. You have the right because of Jesus dying for you and me. We have the right. We're to be his children. No one can disqualify us. And in those moments where we feel disqualified, we can bring those thoughts to the Lord. We can bring our heart to the Lord and we can ask God to search us. And God, if there's something that's not right, God, I give you permission to change it and I want to repent but I am your child, and I want to be different. This is the first place it talks about spiritual rebirth. In this church, you're going to always hear about it because it's key. If you're going to grow in God, you have to be born again. You have to understand what that is. You have to have that life transformation where your spirit becomes alive, and you and God are in a beginning to have fellowship and ever growing deeper in your spiritual walk with Him. Even though we're, we're maybe be a small-framed person or 
uh, or, or whatever, our capacity to know God in a deep realm is always on the increase. God desires to know us in a deep, deep way. Part of our looking for things, part of the way we go into different sins, we're trying to fill the deepness of our spirit. There's a cry in our spirit. There's a cry in our spirit for God. And God is so deep. He's so vast. There's a place in our emotions that only he can fill. And if we let him begin to fill that, the depth, oh, the thirst that we have, the hunger that things don't, doesn't, that don't get filled with things begins to be filled because of that relationship he offers with us. I'm going to read verse 13, then I'm going to stop. Who owe their birth neither to blood nor to the will of the flesh, that is physical impulse, nor to the will of man, that of a nature of a father, but to God. They are born of God. If you're here today and you haven't really ever accepted Jesus Christ, that's what happens. What happened at the fall, the death where man died spiritually and was cut off in relationship, that's what happens again at being born again, that your spirit is born again. Your spirit is made alive and it's connected with God and fellowship begins. John 1.14, again our main scripture, and the word Christ became flesh, human incarnate, and tabernacle fixes tent of flesh, lived a while among us. And we actually saw his glory, his honor, his majesty, such glory as only begotten Son receives from his Father, full of grace, favor, loving kindness, and truth. It is that love that he came and demonstrated for us. It is that love that penetrates our hearts and always causes us to be in awe of, how could you love me? Sometimes, um, I know, Dory always tells me this, that she's met God more in her failures sometimes than she does in being a good person. And I think we all need to realize that wherever we're at, to meet God is to be transformed and changed. Will you stand?